welcome to the Marathon Medic podcast. My name's Amy and I'm a junior doctor and running coach with an interest in sports and exercise medicine. On today's episode, I'm joined by Gareth Emerson. In 2014, at the age of 21, Gareth was diagnosed with Ewing sarcoma and in 2020, this diagnosis became terminal. Gareth wanted something positive to focus on, so he set out to raise as much money as possible for Sarcoma UK by cycling from Land's End to John O'Groats. Gareth is joining me today to share his story, tell me more about his huge cycling challenge, and to raise awareness for the charity Sarcoma UK. Hi Gareth, and thanks so much for joining me this morning. Hello, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Before we begin, I want to congratulate you. You just recently got married, didn't you? I did, yeah. Married literally a month ago today on the 3rd of July. And I have to ask, did you get married in the Eden Project? Yeah, in in the biomes. Yeah, no, it's a a very, very (laughs) cool venue. I know, the pictures look really cool. Like, where did that idea come from? Um, So my wife's dad um, works for a company called AEG and they put festivals on. And they put Eden sessions on at Eden Project. Um, and obviously with COVID and stuff, the event got cancelled, um, therefore making the biome available for the weekend that we wanted our wedding. Um, and it just sort of went from there. That's amazing. I can't imagine too many people have got married in the Eden Project. <laughs> no. no, it's very special, special venue, special day. And to be cliche, I'd say like it was genuinely the best day of my life. It really was. It was very, very special. Good. Good. I mean, that's what it's supposed to be. So really happy for you. And you managed to get away briefly afterwards, didn't you? Which is impressive in this uh, in this time. <laughs> yeah. So we tried to navigate. Um, so we went to Jersey um, for five days and then we went from there to Antigua, which was actually short lived because the flight itself um, gave me a swell on the brain because um, I'd recently had some treatment um, back in November last year and someone had triggered on the flight with it being altitude or or whatever and I didn't have the medication with me that I should have had um so it was a short-lived second honeymoon part two but the the whole trip around Jersey and stuff was was fantastic so we were just glad to get away and probably chancing it a bit by trying to fit 10 days in Antigua on the end (laughs) well at least you got a couple of days um, a couple of days in so I guess just to start with would you mind just introducing yourself to everybody and just a little bit about your background and I guess why you're here to chat with me today. Yeah, so I'm Gaz, I'm 28 years old, a massive Liverpool fan. Um, I'm living in London, so that doesn't really work, but uh, I was brought up in the Midlands, um, which is obviously quite close to Liverpool. Very outdoorsy, enjoy music festivals and sort of just having fun, really. Um, really like travelling, done some really cool trips, went into railing sort of when I was 16 and got the bug. So we've done a few different trips around the States, um, been to Colombia. Uh, yeah, no, just really like getting out and about and just trying to make the most of what time we've got. Um, and then a little bit of work on the side. <laughs> <laughs> if, just to pay for all the cool trips. That's it. Yeah, exactly that. Um, but then I suppose, yeah, the story behind my diagnosis was seven years ago, I got diagnosed with a rare form of bone and soft tissue cancer called Ewing sarcoma. Um, I was living at home with my parents at the time. um, And it was, I suppose, just I had a bad back, like in the lower of my spine. So I just went to the doctors um, to get it checked out. They didn't really know. I was going to the gym quite a lot at the time. So I just put two and two together and thought I'd pulled a muscle in my lower back. 
um, sort of rested up, took painkillers. And then fast forward sort of three months later, I was still having the same issues, but hadn't really done anything about it apart from these physio sessions that weren't helping. Um, and then the pain got so bad on one like, Sunday afternoon, my mum took me up to A&E to go and get a scan. Um, and then that scan would reveal that there was a tumour growing on the bottom of my spine, um, which was the size of two tennis balls, hence where I was getting the sort of pain from. Um, and that was sort of putting pressure on my nervous system in my back. Um, so, yeah, that's sort of where the diagnosis all started in 2014. And then, so were you 21 at the time? 21, yeah. What was that A&E trip like to go in thinking, as, as anyone would, that you're a kind of a fit, healthy, gym-going 21-year-old and then to walk away with that finding? Yeah, like I couldn't believe it. And it didn't sink in for a very long time. Um, and while I was sort of going through that process, and because Ewing sarcoma is such a rare disease, they they take such a long time to actually work out what it is. <laughs> it starts typically in like the pelvis region, which is where mine was. It was in my sacrum bone. Yeah, Ewing's can basically metastasize and spread to other soft tissue areas, which is obviously like lungs and things like that. That is what happened to me as well um, at a later stage. But that whole initial, you know, 21 years old, fit, healthy, and to get something that is completely like bad. It's just bad luck. It wasn't because of a lifestyle choice or, or anything that I'd done. It was just pure bad luck. Um, and I think that really took a, a long time to settle in and to try and understand the whole why me sort of scenario. How were your, um, your friends how, how did they manage it? Because I think, again, when someone has that kind of diagnosis, no matter what age, it can be quite a difficult thing to talk about. But at that young age of 21, that's even more, it's, it's difficult to understand. It's difficult to know how to treat somebody. Um, do people treat you differently? What are the kind of no, your experiences? No, the whole experience of my friends has, and I'd always said to them, I don't want to ever be treated any differently. Um, and my whole the whole journey, I've always said that I don't want cancer to stop me doing anything. Um, just because I've been diagnosed with something, I don't want to let that get in the way of me living my life the way I want to. And I've stuck to that the whole way through. And I think it's just being able to try and have that positive mindset to, to, to be able to do that, um, which I've been very fortunate that I've got. And I'm, I speak to a lot of people that are going through, through similar stuff. Um, and not everyone... Not everyone does, and people do struggle with it, like the emotional side of it, a lot more than I do, maybe. Um, so I think I'm able to, I'm quite a practical thinker, um, and sort of, I know that I'm going through this this rough spell or, or the period of time while I'm on chemo or treatment, but once that's over, there is an end to it, and then I'll get back to my normal life. And I think if you can just sort of categorize them different times in your head, which I've been able to do over the sort of last seven years then it, it sort of works for me did it take you quite a long time to get to that point of having a, a relatively positive outlook considering everything that's going on yes yeah definitely so I think the the first time it came back um in my lung which was in 2017 that was I would say stands out as the hardest 
diagnosis because I'd gone through sort of nine months of really difficult treatment up in Manchester, um, sort of in five days at a time and then off for two weeks to recuperate. And I'd had radiotherapy um, alongside it. Like it was a really tough regime. But then to come out of that, have two, well, it was two and a bit years of no cancer, I sort of forgot about it. I moved on with my life, got a new job. We moved to Bristol and just sort of yeah, enjoying, enjoying life. Then we moved to London and then literally like four months after moving to London, it came back, um, just got picked up on like a routine scan. Um, and yeah, that was it. It was in the lung. And I think that was the hardest one to, or the hardest pill to swallow because I knew what I had a, another fight against me, another sessions of chemo. And it's not, it's not a nice journey to go through. Um, so I think, yeah, that was, that was the hardest bit. And I think that, the other times where it's come back since then, emotionally, it's not been so hard. But that first time was the worst one. Yeah, I can. I, I mean, I, I can only imagine um, the the resilience that you have over all of those those years is really impressive. Um, would you mind just, as, as you mentioned, it's it's quite a, a rare diagnosis, and um, it's something that I'd heard of, but actually, I'm not you know hugely familiar with it. I haven't seen any patients myself with it, and I'm sure there's lots of people listening that won't have even heard of uh, Ewing sarcoma before. So would you mind just sharing a little bit about what, what it actually is? Yeah. So Ewing sarcoma is a rare form of like bone or soft tissue cancer. It affects primarily children um, and young ad- adults. It starts in the bone and the most common sites I've said were like legs, pelvis. Um, mine started in my sacrum. Um, and then Ewing's can metastasize and spread to... I suppose the soft tissue areas, which is like lungs, which is what's happened to me. Um, and then since then, it's also spread to uh, my brain in, Dece- in November last year. And then it's come back on my spine um, in a most recent scan that was picked up a, a couple of weeks ago. I suppose it's because it's so rare, it's often misdiagnosed. And then later, diagnosis means obviously poorer prognosis. So as I said, when I had that sort of what I thought was a bad back, there was a good three, four months there where I had this tumour inside me, but obviously not, I, was getting, I wasn't getting any treatment for it. Um, and there's always a little thought in the back of my mind that had I have found out sooner, is there a chance that it would have just been that one time and it wouldn't have come back so many times? Um, which I suppose that's it's quite somewhat, somewhat difficult to d- deal with. Um and then sarcoma as, as a illness makes up about 1% of all cancer diagnosis. And I remember when I was like first diagnosed, my consultant was saying to me that I had better odds of winning £200,000 on the lottery and that it was just complete bad luck that I had got that type of cancer in that place in my pelvis. Um, it's so difficult as well, as you mentioned, though, that, that kind of three, four-month period it, because yeah. back pain is something that's so common it's not the first thing everyone's going to to jump to and, and that's rightly so when it when it is so rare but obviously difficult when you do get to that point of diagnosis and think all that time that that was in between hmm. yeah so you've been raising money for sarcoma uk which is the main charity that um raises awareness and provides support for sarcoma patients tell me about your Lejog challenge where that came from um, and what made you choose that in particular? You mentioned you're a fan of Liverpool, so it's not a football challenge, it's cycling. What what drove you to that? 
So, okay, so if I take you back to uh, sort of November last year, I got a terminal diagnosis and I sat down with Zoe and I was like, I really want to write a bucket list um, and just get some stuff down on paper of what I'd really like to tick off. Um, So we made a list of places I would like to travel to and then I was like, I really want to raise as much money as I can. Um, And I suppose, and the awareness side, because not many people have heard of sarcoma or sarcomas. And I think it's like 75% of people don't know what it is. So I was like, if I can help in any way or try and raise that that profile and just try and raise awareness on it, then I'll feel good for doing that and it will be helpful. So we set out on that. We made like a a fundraising video where I spoke a little bit about um, my illness and the journey that we've been on. And then we went live with that in, I think it was January. Um, and we signed up to do Le Jog, which is Land's End to John O'Groats, so length of the UK, in 12 days, cycling a 1,000 miles. So I was like, this is the event I want to do. And the reason I wanted to do it, I was like, Zoe said to me, why don't you do a marathon? And I was like, I want, not that I don't think a marathon's big, but I want to do something that's it really stands out as a, as a big achievement. Um, and I thought, what better way of cycling the length of your country when you can't go anywhere in a pandemic anyway? Um, so at least I could travel the length of the country and hopefully enjoy it at the same time, which we did. So we just, that's that's how we landed on the jog. And the training was it was difficult because we started the training in January, so it was freezing cold. I didn't even own a bike. Um, <laughs> that was going to be my next question. Were you a cyclist before you did? No, not at all. <laughs> are you are you a cyclist now? Or is it the kind of one hit? Yeah, yeah. We'll come on to that. I'm no Bradley Wiggins. <laughs> <Okay. but laughs> um, yeah, so it was just a case of uh, yeah, we, we bought some bikes, and at the time, because of COVID and everyone being locked up at home, loads of people were buying bikes. So. I put an order in and then it was like, it's going to take like four weeks to get here. I was like, this is my training time. So we actually started, we actually started our training on Boris bikes. (laughs) (laughs) To be honest, when you said four weeks delivery, I thought that was pretty good considering like I I ordered one during lockdown as well and I had to wait six months. So I'm glad you're (laughs) four weeks. You'd have really been struggling with your training. Okay. So you get, how, how far were you going on Boris bikes? So I was going to my chemo appointments. Um, and any hospital scans and stuff that I had, I was cycling. It was like a 20-mile round trip. Um, but then when we actually got our proper bikes, I found some different routes where we I could make the loop to the hospital and back in either 20 or 30-mile loops. Um, so that formulated part of my training regime, really. So I used to cycle to my chemo, which actually made me feel so much better. I Just getting that regular exercise. And I hadn't been – the, the year before I hadn't been exercising at all really um so I think just my general fitness got so much better whilst I was doing all this training but we were cycling 200 miles a week you know in the just just before we went so it was it was quite quite a big commitment which I suppose when we decided or I was like yeah I'm going to cycle over the country um it was I didn't realize how much of a commitment it would actually have to be but I'm so so glad that I did it um, and uh, literally the day that I told or spoke to Zoe and was like, this is what I want to do. She was like, I want to do it with you if I can. And then my dad said he'd do it with me. And then 
we've got two very close friends, um, Emily and Zoe, who also said that they'd like to do and just support. So we all, not all five of us, we did um, the job over, yeah, over an incredible two weeks. And how, just, just because I'm not, I'm not huge into cycling, I'm trying to, um, how does it actually work in terms of the route and like where you stay at night and carrying things around? What's the kind of logistics of it? So there's two ways of doing it. You either do it supported or unsupported. Unsupported sounds like an absolute nightmare. <laughs> and I think that's just a level too far. Sleeping in tents at the side of the road when you're covering over 100 miles a day is not is not my cup of tea. So I we decided to go for the supported option and we did the um, whole trip with Discovery Adventure. And they, they just organize everything. So they organize your accommodation. They meet you down at Land's End um, and then there's basically a, a support group. So there's two vans that follow you up the country and they have like water stops and a lunch stop that they set up. So, yes, it was a challenge and it was a long way and it was difficult, but it was getting on the bike and just cycling every day between 80 and 100 miles. That was that. And, and I suppose that was why I wanted to do it supported, because Obviously, I just had chemo as well. I had chemo, I had three weeks off, and then I did the cycle. I think, yeah, just the body was already obviously fatigued and everything else with the treatment that I was on. So being able to being able to push myself that little bit further, it was, was all because of the support that I had with me. And it just made it so much easier being with, you know, very close friends and family um, and just enjoying that experience together. My my next few questions are actually going to be about how you managed to do that whilst on chemotherapy. So I guess you mentioned um, that you felt generally fitter and healthier uh, because of the exercise. But I'm just wondering on the event itself, it's obviously a huge strain on your body. Were there any limitations that you faced because of your recent treatment or was it more the kind of general fatigue and feeling a bit wiped out? I would say, yeah, the general fatigue and feeling wiped out. But on day two, um, when we were coming out of Devon and Cornwall, I've managed to pick up a knee injury, which obviously wasn't very good <laughs> on day two. Um, and I basically had to have a knee support on for the rest of the trip. But yeah, apart from that, in terms of how I felt, I just felt tired. Um, and I was glad to get in my bed at the end of the day. But <laughs> that's why they call it a challenge, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And were your, were your healthcare, um, the kind of healthcare staff looking after you and your consultants and nurses, were they generally supportive of this? Because I can't imagine too many people having <laughs> such extensive treatment are asking, no. you know, am I going to be okay to spend two weeks cycling 100 miles a day? Well, I mean, she signed the consent form. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think she thought I was raving mad, to be honest. Uh, sort of, we went in for clinic one day um and I was like I'm doing a fundraising event and she was like oh go on t tell me about it and I was like I'm cycling the length of the country and I don't think she believed me at first but we we worked out and they've been very supportive and uh, around sort of um the run up to the event itself I had less days of chemo so normally my regime would be four days in and then I have two weeks off to recuperate um the two cycles of chemo that I had before I'd gone down to three days and then the one before two days. So okay. my body wasn't at, at such a low point. Um, and it meant that I could recover quicker when, when I was back out on the bike. But yeah, they, they would be so supportive. Um, and there's such a good team at UCL. That's, that's really good to hear. And the most important question. So are you still cycling now? So we obviously had the wedding and everything going on. 
um, I put so our bikes got couriered back, um, so they flat packed the bikes, and we put them together like three days ago. But I'm yet to go out because I don't know what the weather's like where you are. It's just been horrendous. Yeah. You look outside it's one minute, great. it's sunny. You think, oh, I'll go out for a ride. And then to the next minute later, it's literally flash floods. But yeah, no, I'm hoping to go out maybe the, maybe even this afternoon. Um, but yeah, no, I definitely want to get back out on the bike. We've got a um, Peloton exercise bike at home. So I've been using that. So I have been keeping up with the cycling, but just not out on the road. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm dead keen to get back out there. And this last round of chemo that I've just finished, I didn't cycle and I did genuinely feel worse, which is it's weird. And I suppose you get them sort of endorphins when you exercise, don't you? And you you get that sort of feel good um, feeling that, that you just not getting when you're jumping on a tube or whatever and the fresh air and everything that you're missing. So I'm definitely, definitely going to be going to the next the next round on my bike. That's a that's a certainty. That's really great. And I think it's true, although really intense exercise obviously tires your body out and probably isn't the most optimal um, thing to do when you're having such extensive treatment. I think gentle, regular exercise is so beneficial for your fitness and, and mental health that that kind of outweighs outweighs the risk. And if you do it alongside the kind of support of your healthcare team, that just makes things easier as well, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You, you've mentioned quite a few times going to chemo and the treatments that you've had over the last few years. So what, what's your treatment been like and has that changed? Is there anything coming out in the future that, that might provide kind of better survival for patients that are affected by Ewing sarcoma? So unfortunately not. So sarcoma treatments haven't really moved forward in the last 30 to 40 years. So Sarcoma UK is the only national charity that funds new research and campaigns for better treatments for sarcoma sufferers. The charity is not government funded. So it's obviously relying heavily on public donations. Um, and the lack of funding is one of the main reasons that survival rates have not changed. Um, so as I say, like them first line drugs being used 30, 40 years ago, they're still the same key drugs that they use now. Um, so I suppose the funding would then bring more research and research would then find better treatments or ones that are more successful. And if people wanted to go direct to Sarcoma, uh, is it Sarcoma UK? Do you know what their website is or the best way for people to kind of check check that yeah. charity out? It's just sarcomauk.org, I think. And yeah, there's loads of information on their website um, and they offer advice lines and stuff to people that are obviously going through, through you know, treatment and difficult times. So just having that there as another option is also like really, really good and really useful for anyone that's struggling. Um, so we've obviously now finished that challenge. Um, how how much um, have you raised for Sarcoma UK and are there any other challenges on the horizon? So we were given by Discovery Adventure a fundraising target of 15,500 as a combined um, for all five of us, which <laughs> we were like, we should be able to do that. But Literally, as we signed up, we then started getting nervous. Um, and then we had the go live date. And within the first sort of 48 hours, we'd already smashed our target. So we put a video together. We put it all over social media and it was shared by so many people, which people sharing stuff on social media, you don't understand how helpful that is when you're trying to achieve something like this. Um, and sort of, yeah, you're trying to raise awareness or you're just trying to spread a message. But the support that I've had through the Instagram followers and, and Facebook friends and stuff. I think that whole, the power of social media is just so special and it's, it's helped me achieve that fundraising target. So we had to move it. So we, we basically 
hopped to 25 grand on the next one. Then we hit that within about a week. Um, and then we went to 50 and then 75. And then we were like, let's just go for 100. Um, and we put it up to 100, I think about four, maybe three weeks before we started to do the ride. Um, and we we hit we hit over a hundred whilst we were just finishing the last bit, and we're now finished on a total of I think it's one hundred and ten thousand five hundred and something. So that's amazing, a phenomenal amount of money, and for it's quite a small charity as well. Um, they think that that fundraiser will be the biggest one for the year for them. So that's really really nice um, to to sort of know that you've been there one of their biggest fundraisers and so nice for that to have happened kind of in your final few stages of Le Jog yes yeah yeah yeah. um but I think when we started when we started the actual um first day I think we still had like it was a ridiculous amount to go it was like nearly 30k maybe but then we had uh, some contacts that put some some emails out literally as we were starting and because I was blogging the whole thing on my Instagram I think it just sort of gained momentum through that. Yeah, and I saw you on BBC News as well. So that's how yeah. I um, how I found you and reached out. So we we had some really good, like some unbelievable coverage. Um, the BBC article was in Metro. I got on Sky News the morning of the jog. I don't know if you've seen that one. So yeah, I was on their breakfast show. We were in the Lands, Lands End Hotel, I think it was. Um, and we set up a, in a room there to do a little video call. And yeah, we were on Sky News and then 20 minutes later, we're cycling, starting the cycle of the country. It was all surreal. It was all just a bit like, is, am I even awake right now? And then, you know, you've got to complete it because all these people are behind you. Yeah. yeah. And I, I'm, I'm sort of glad that the, the fundraising total went up so quickly. I was like, I can't back out now. I've got to do it. <laughs> Um, perfect. Thank you so much for um, speaking with me today and, and sharing your experiences. I was just hoping we could end on you just sharing, I guess, what are you, what are the main things that you want people to take away and the main things that you're hoping to, to raise awareness of? So if people were just to kind of fast forward to this section, what are the key, key messages that you want to share? So I think finding something that even though when you might be in a, a, a time of of maybe need or going through a difficult time is to try and find the positives within that. Um, and what I mean by that is what message I'm trying to help put to other people is I was given a terminal cancer diagnosis, but then managed to turn that into a positive by raising a lot of money for charity um, and sort of trying to help raise awareness for the type of cancer that I've got. And it's given me a focus. It's given, it's taken my mind off, off the whole cancer side of it. And I suppose having a focus and having a purpose in life is is what, what everyone needs, isn't it? It gives you the drive and it gives you the get up and go um, to want to keep going out there every day and I suppose, yeah, fighting against it. Perfect. Thanks. I think that can be, um, that's useful in kind of any any scenario in life, isn't it? That yeah, definitely. Just try and try and shift the mindset, which isn't easy, but it, it pays off if you can manage to do it. Yeah. Great. Thanks so much for chatting with me. Well, thank you so much for having me on. Um, I've really enjoyed it. Um, actually, I, before I go, I should obviously I need to ask you to share resources. If people want to find you or donate or find out more about sarcoma, would you mind just telling them where to go? Yeah. So on Instagram, my handle is Gaz 
underscore Emerson. And on if you just type my name into Google, um, either Gareth Emerson or Gaz Emerson, all my fundraising stuff will come up there with the Just Giving page. And I've got my video on YouTube, um, which talks about my cancer diagnosis as well. So yeah, check it out. Great. Thanks. Great. Thank you so much for having me. A huge thanks to Gareth for joining me on today's episode. As he said, you can find him on Instagram by searching Gaz underscore Emerson. There's a link to his fundraising page there, or you can search Just Giving for Team Gaz Emerson. If you want to learn more about sarcoma, then you can head to the Instagram page for the Sarcoma UK charity by searching sarcoma underscore UK, or you can visit their website, sarcoma.org.uk. For more podcast episodes, you can head to marathonmedic.com. You'll also find running routes, training ideas, and blog posts there. Thanks so much for listening. Mm -hmm.